0: Thank you and remain standing, if you would, as you open up your your Bibles to the book of Psalm 78. What kind of self-respecting preacher would walk into a pulpit without his Bible, I'm not sure. But left mine sitting on the front row there. Psalm chapter number 78. Let's read the first eight verses of this psalm. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from the children, showing to the generations to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Thank you. You may be seated. The Old Testament emphasis on teaching the next generation is seldom recognized. Now, we're going to be getting into uh, another book study next week. We're going to start studying through the book of Esther. But I wanted to take just a moment today and kind of redraw our attention to a couple things before we get into that study, Uh, because I, I think it's important for you to know the direction that we're trying to take the children, as far as the children's ministry and everything that's going here uh, at Liberty Bible Church. the uh, As I said, the Old Testament teaching uh, and the idea of teaching the next generation seldom, seldom recognized. Uh, but it, it's important to point out just how important it was to the people of God in the Old Testament days to recite and to uh, remind their children and the generations that were following them of the greatness of God. If you were to look in Genesis chapter 18, you'd find that uh, God talking about Abraham, he said, For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord. If you looked in Deuteronomy chapter number 6, verse 7, it would say, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and and shalt talk of them. When thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, you'll find a similar statement repeated in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 19. But then as we look through all of these different things, it's a necessity of teaching the next generation that we want to focus in on. If you were to read Psalm chapter 102, it expresses the need and the importance of writing things down for the uh, the, uh, generations to come, for future learners. We wonder today... Why so many people, so many, especially of the younger generation, is, is, lacks a desire to live for the Lord and to simply praise the Lord. And we look around and we say, well, the generation today, you, do, do you realize that Generation Z, the generation of, of right now, they are quickly becoming known as the Nons. That's a nickname that is given to Generation Z, the Nons. And the reason that they are being referred to as the Nons is because most of the time, the majority, the greater majority of this generation, when they are surveyed and they are asked of their religious views, they they, uh, uh, check the box that says non-religious. They're quickly becoming known as believing in nothing. This is something that needs to wake us. It's something that we've got to take closer attention and and pay closer attention and look deeply into what it is that is our uh, responsibility because it's very easy for me to point at a generation, but when I get things back into my own uh, lap and remember that what is taking place out there may very well be an indication of what should have been taking place with me and in my life, then then I'm going to be a little quicker to maybe address the problem. It's real easy for me to insult the millennial. It's real easy for me to insult the Generation Z. But we've got to get this right, folks. We've got to bring the responsibility back home. One has said that the one who works to equip the parents to train their children, in truth, works for the children. And so it's important that we realize that just as Paul taught the Ephesian fathers that uh, how they should live and what they should do, he did so in order that they in turn could teach their children. Even if you were to look into the prophets, for example, in Isaiah chapter 38, verse 19, the latter half of it says that the, the father to the children shall make known thy truth. It's an important thing for us to invest spiritually into the children and the generation to come. Now, one may say, well, I'm not a father. There are still children and generations to come around you. Well, I'm not a mother. There are still people in your life and in your sphere of influence that look up to you. I told a man one time, he was talking, he said, I'm done I'm all washed up. I'm old. I've got nothing left. I said, "Yeah, you do." Sitting across the table from him having lunch one day and and he had he bought, and you know how it is, you know when guys go out to eat, you know they I'll t- I'll pick up the tab. No, I got it this time. No, 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 it's my turn. No, 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 let me pay for it. When our wives go out to eat, you know they break out the pocket calculators and figure out what part is yours and what part is theirs, right? But he was sitting across the table. He said, let me pay for it. He says, that's all I've really got I can do anymore. So I'm washed up. I said, no. There are people my age still watching you. Wanting to see how to finish well. Wanting to see how to burst through that tape at the end of this race chest first. And so understand, your children may be grown. Or you may not have children, but realize whether you are 18 or 88, you have someone that you too are able to invest in. You have people coming up behind you, and it is important for us to understand what we're supposed to teach them, how we're supposed to teach them, and why. So what exactly should be our mission in all of this as far as teaching? Is it... What, what should the church, how should the church respond to ministering to the upcoming generation in our community or within our church? Should we promote a bigger and better uh, set of fun? Uh, maybe we should put more, more uh, smoke and laser lights out. Maybe we should do something like that. Listen, I submit to you that the best that we can do for the generation to come is to first learn how to live this Christian life and then teach them, too, how to live the Christian life. The absolute best thing that I as a pastor can do is equip you. That's it. And how do I equip you and with what do I equip you? This book right here. If I tried to give you the latest and greatest philosophical uh, approach to life, I have failed you. If I try to tell you my uh, suggestions or my ideas or the way I think it ought to be handled, I have failed you. The best thing that I can do, the absolute best thing as the pastor of this church that I can present to you on on any level, whether it be the next uh, uh, fun event or the next social gathering or the next uh, big push or the big drive, no, no, no. The best thing that I can do is say, here's God's word. Learn it. Love it and live it. So let's look at this for just a little bit today. I want to pull three things specifically. The first thing that I want to look at is what we teach them, then I'm going to look at how we teach them, and then why we teach them. The first two are going to be rather detailed, and then the last will be sort of a concluding thought. But I want to bring this to you because we have been working very diligently with the children as of late. When we came back from the COVID, I love how people, the COVID, when we came back from that and we started to reintroduce children's ministries, we did so with a purpose. And I want you to understand that we... After week, as you are sitting uh, here and enduring (laughs) what I am presenting to you, your children are being given, on their level, the same topics. Now, it may not necessarily be straight out of the same passage, but when you go home, you can rest assured that we're going to be talking about how we invest, and they're going to be looking at things about family worship and how to worship and how to praise the Lord as a family together. Next week, when we begin our study in the book of Esther, we're going to be going over some things, looking at the providence of God. They're going to be learning some of the same things. They may be in a different portion of Scripture, but we are doing this so that we can arm you and get you prepared so that, As you look at the children and as you see the children going through these halls and they have been taught, by their their Sunday school teachers that God is a God that takes care of His children. That God is a God that is always available. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. When they look at the adults in the church building, when they look at mom and dad and grandma and grandpa, when they look at their aunts and uncles, and they have been told by their Sunday school teacher that God never leaves them nor forsakes them, and they are stressing and worried about something that is going on in their life, but then they say, you know what? God has it, and I'm just going to let Him take care of it then they are going to be reminded and reassured that that is true. But when mom and dad fret and worry and wonder and don't trust God, then they have learned what they're going to associate with lies. And we want to try to bring this and give you all that you need as much as is possible to invest in the generation to come. I've had people say, well, you know, uh, kids don't need to be, you know, I, I don't want the kids in, the, in, their, in their service, and, and I'm just going to do this. Na-. Listen, it does not bother me one iota to hear a, a baby coo. Man, I tell you what, when your nephew was here the other day, man, I just, I absolutely loved it. I'd be in the middle of the best amen, and I've gotten in weeks. That doesn't bother me. We're investing in that generation to come and enjoy that. So let's look at what it is that we are to teach them. And I pulled this out of Psalm 78. So we need to take an inventory. Notice what he says there at the beginning of it. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parable. I will utter dark sayings. Of old. First thing that we're looking at as far as what we teach them, we need to take an inventory of what it is that we are teaching our children. My kids enjoy video games, and I love Mario. I love. And I, I I grew up playing Mario, and you know all my all my friends, you know, yeah, I played the Mortal Kombat's and the Street Fighters. <gasps> yes, I played that. Okay, and, and and I had fun. But you can't improve on Mario. You just can't improve. On that platform, Mario... Every time they come out with a new Mario game, it's just better and better. Mario is the way to play video games. I am certain that when Jesus sits down and plays video games, it's a Mario video game of some kind. Be it Mario Kart or Mario Galaxy or whatever it is, you just can't beat Mario. And I love sitting there and the kids are like, Dad, will you play? Dad, I can't get through this level. And it's like, yeah, watch this 40 year old guy. Just hit it. You know, love it. And I can well, let me show you where all the hidden stuff is, man. We played this when I was your age. Well, check this out. I'll show you how to fly. Now you gotta get this. Now you gotta get this whistle. Now you can get to level you can get to level eight like that, man. The kids like, Dad, how'd you do that? Well, let me teach you. Let me show you how to get this done, right? Well, you gotta jump just a certain way. You gotta run. You gotta B run across it. B run. Okay, it's X today. I don't know, but we always call it B run because you had two buttons, right? You had B and A and then the direction pad. That's what we had growing up. Now you got 58 buttons and you're just looking going, which one do I push? I'm willing to sit down and I'm willing to teach my kids where all the different things are in the video games. And then they're outside playing and, you know, they're throwing football. Dad, come throw football. Dad, come throw the football with us. All right, I'll come out and I'll throw football with you. And you see that elbow down here, you know, (laughs) Well, let me teach you how to throw that thing, right, son. <laughs> get that elbow up. So bring bring that elbow up. Let's let's teach you how to get a spiral in here. Then it comes time. Maybe they're getting a little bit bigger, and they've had those training wheels on for a while. Take you out. Let me teach you how to ride your bike, son. Let me te- And then, of course, mom's off to the side, going, "Oh, don't let him go! Don't let him go! Don't let him go!" And then you watch him as he's heading straight toward a concrete wall, and you're saying, "Oh, this is going to be good. Right. Oh, watch out, son!" You know, <laughs> yeah. But we, what do we do? We take time to teach our kids so much. Are we teaching them the most important thing? He says, to incline your ear to the words of my mouth, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. Let's look at this dark sayings of old. We need to take time to study the difficult to understand and the difficult to swallow. Understand what that's saying there. He says, I will utter dark sayings of old. This dark sayings of old are the deep deep theological issues of life. It's one thing for me to teach my children about Noah's Ark, for me to teach them about Jonah and the well. It's another thing when my kids say, Dad, if God is loving, why does he allow so many bad things to happen? Dark sayings of old. And, uh, uh, well, uh, I don't know, but let me tell you about Joshua marching around Jericho. <laughs> I want to know, Dad. Why did my friend just die? Mom, I, yeah, I, I understand God created everything in six days, but why did he have to put the tree there? Why did the tree have to be put in the garden in the first place, Mom? Well, uh, because God's love. I need more than that, Mom. We've got to take time and dig into the Word of God and study. Many people run from these questions. They feel unable to handle them. So rather than address the issues, they ignore them. Or worse, they just make something up. But you know what's going to happen? I promise you what's going to happen. That question will not just disappear. They'll find an answer from someone. Do you want it to be the right one? And so, yeah, aunt, uncle, guess what? You can be that person. Take time with these kids and with these young people, and they have these questions, and they're difficult. They're hard to get into. They're hard to swallow. Well, I don't have kids. I don't have anyone at home. My kids are all grown. My grandkids are moved away. I've got a lot of time on my hands to study. And then I can help that parent that's over here who's struggling to get a little bit of time just to read the Bible, let alone, let alone understand the deep things of, uh, uh, of theology, let alone to be able to answer that child's question and then come and say, hey, can I take your son, can I take your daughter and just go buy him a, a, a milkshake? And while you're sitting there and you're buying him a milkshake, say, have you ever had any weird questions about the Bible? And invest into the generation to come when those kids, they ask those questions, this is a great time to sit down with them and study together. I have learned more about the Word of God by trying to answer the questions that I had no idea how to answer. Hey, Somebody said, well, what about this? Uh, let me get back to you. <laughs> uh, and guess what? Uh, is an okay answer. It's from the Greek, which means let me find out. Don't run from the difficult. But not only the difficult to understand, don't run from the difficult to swallow. There's a lot of stuff in this Bible that's difficult to swallow. Don't run from it. Embrace it. God is patient. That's a a wonderful thing. But guess what? His patience runs out. If you don't believe me, talk to the Canaanites. Talk to the children of Israel. You don't believe me? His patience can run out. There are consequences to sin, even for those who have been forgiven. Dad, if I've been forgiven, why is it? Well, there's consequences. God does expect things from us. As difficult as that may be to swallow. I thought I was free to do whatever I want. Wrong. Wrong. You're free from the power of sin. You're free from the penalty of sin. And one day you'll be free from the presence of sin. But God does expect things of you. And he doesn't lower the standard. You see those basketball goals. I, I you know, My kids, they, they like to shoot on that basketball game. They want it where they can reach it, right? We were watching some show not too long ago. I don't remember what it was, but... Uh, The guy never knew that his parents had put the basketball goal at like six foot, so he thought he could dunk. And he's out there making videos of him dunking, and then when he tries to dunk it on a real basketball rim, he realizes mom and dad lowered the standard. And I can't do it now. God is just, and God must punish sin. Must. Must. If he does not punish sin, it violates who he is. Man has free will, and oftentimes that free will harms others. That's difficult stuff to swallow. Don't run from it. We need to teach these dark sayings of old. I love how it says in parable. We'll get into that here in just a minute. But look at the next thing that we need to teach. His will for mankind is to show the praises of the Lord. Remember that God's will for you and I is to show others his glory, not our glory. That's God's will for us. Look what he says there. He says in verse uh, 4, We will not hide them from the children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord, and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. As Paul said, remember, if you are a child of God, you are not your own. You have been bought with a price, so glorify God. We're quick to teach kids. You know, son, don't pass gas at other people's house. You're going to look bad. All right? Maybe, you all aren't. Maybe you all haven't taught your kids that. I've had to teach my kids that. Son, don't, don't belch at the table. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, don't put your hands in somebody else's food. Don't, don't do that. And then what do we do? You're going to look bad in front of your friends. Do you want to look like that? You need to clean your ears. Some girl's going to look at those ears, and she ain't going to have anything to do with you. And we teach those things, right? Why? Because we want them to look good? And my kids were talking one time, and I've made this statement before, about we're the pastor's kids. You know, I've only had one time where I've had to address someone who said, well, you're one of the pastor's kids, so you need to act better. Stop. My kids are dirty, rotten sinners just like the old kids are dirty, rotten sinners. And I want my kids to act better, not because they're a child of the pastor, but because they're a child of the king. The same way I want your kids to act better, not because they're your kids, but because they are children of God. This is what we want. We want children to be raised in the generation to come to be raised not to look good in front of their peers, not to have the paper or not to have the degree or not to have this or to have the nice nice car, not to be not embarrassed about the way of the things that they wear, not to embarrass their parents. No, no, we want kids to be raised in the future generations to come to be raised to know how to show the praises of God. The next thing is to live lives of trust And obedience. Understand what this means. Look look at verse 9 with me if you would. The children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and his wonders that he showed them. We want them to learn to live lives of trust and obedience to the Lord. Throughout Scripture, there are examples of those who did not trust Him, who did not obey them. There is no substitute for following the Creator's way. None. This is something that we want to teach our kids. This is something we ought to want to teach the generation to come. Look at the next thing here. To take seriously the responsibility of teaching the same to the next generation. These are just four things that we need to be teaching the kids. I know there's a whole lot more that we can add to this list. I just wanted to give you the four that I can see immediately jump off the pages of this text that we just read this morning. To take seriously the responsibility of teaching the same to the next generation. How are they going to take it seriously? by you and I taking it seriously. You want to know why our world is in the turmoil that it's in? It's because the church, by and large, is in turmoil when we claim to believe this book but time after time people in the pulpit say things that contradict and refer to this as just a book of stories, as just some good suggestions or some sort of self-help type of a setup and they they ignore parts of it, they they try to excuse parts of it, move some of it out of the way, well let's pick and choose and it's almost like you just take the Bible and you're just ripping pages out. I like to leave that part in there but I'm going to rip this page out here. When we do that kind of thing we start to put holes in the Word of God, how in the world do we expect the generations that are following to have any sort of respect on the Word of God when previous generations have told them that this is just a book of stories? Don't believe the the, the, the stories that you find in this book. Don't believe what's said in there. That's just a good suggestion. That's just, well, I like this part, but I can't stand this part over here. And I'll take the first four books of the New Testament, but the rest of it's null and void. Whoa! We've got to give them God's word. Let's look at how we teach them. Now, this is where I'm going to lose some if I haven't lost you already. Wake up your neighbor and and check this out. I don't believe that there would be any that would disagree when I say we want to teach them the difficult stuff. I don't think anybody would necessarily disagree with me when I say we want to teach them that God's will is for us to show his praise. I don't think anybody would disagree with me when I say that we want to teach them to live lives of trust and obedience or to take seriously the responsibility of passing this on to the next generation. But the, uh, the, the very important thing here that I want to uh, uh, kind of focus in on is the how. How. Teaching the next generation to take seriously... Involves showing. Let's look at this word for showing that we find there uh, in verse number four. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord. It's from the Hebrew word, Safar. So it means to record in such a way as to be revealed. It gives the idea of an accountant keeping tabs of everything in order to put together a report to recount it. When I go and I say to, the, uh, to my financial advisor, I want to see how much I have made in my investments this month, and she pulls out. statement and says well you've put money here you've put money here you've got money over here and it's been doing this it's been doing that and I'm able to see I'm able she's able to recount she's able to show it to me and recorded information this is what we're to be doing here how do we teach the difficult well he says there in verse number two he says I will open my mouth in parable I will utter dark sayings of old which we have heard and known our fathers and our fathers have told us this by parable uh, or through the use of illustration now Old Testament parable is different from New Testament parable New Testament parable Jesus would say he'd he'd teach an earthly story with a heavenly meaning and he would say well there uh, there was a guy that had a vineyard and he would he would give an example of it Old Testament parable was basically Do you remember when this happened in history? Let's do this so that that doesn't happen to us. You you notice it there in verse number, look at verse 8 says, And that they might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Hey, you remember these guys back in our past who did this and who did that and who acted this way and who acted that way? We need to do this so that we don't act like that. Then you saw there in verse number 9, the children of Ephraim jumped down to verse number 18. They tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Look at verse 32. For all this they sinned still and believed not for his wondrous works. Now drop down to verse 40. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Now drop down to verse 56. And they tempted and provoked the Most High God and kept not his testimonies, but turned back and dealt unfaithfully like their fathers. They were turned aside like a deceitful man bow. You know what he's saying here? He's saying, hey, you remember the mistakes that they made? Let's not do the same. And so how do we teach them? By recounting what happened and what caused it to happen. We apply it to today. You know, the only thing worse than living in the past is forgetting the past. We've got to remember what took place before. and. Just go back in history and look at all the great civilizations that have tanked and hit rock bottom and been destroyed. Look at what destroyed them. Do we want to encourage people to go that way? Well, I don't like history. A lot of dates and times figures. Oh, man, get over it. Dig in. Study your history. Study your Christian heritage. Notice something else here. By learning and addressing it personally. Remember what I said about not running from the difficult? Well, how do we teach the difficult? Through study. Do not be so quick to send them to someone else. You learn. You get some information. And get back to them with what you have learned. It's one thing... For me to say to my kids, you need to be in the word every day. It's another thing for me to be in the word every day. Wouldn't think too much of a pastor who said, you know what? Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. But the only time I pick up my Bible is on Sunday when it's time to teach you. And I get up in front of the pulpit and I go, um... Hang on just a second. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to teach you real quick. We want to show our children. Demonstrate it. I I had uh, a young lady one time. She made the statement to me. She says, well, I don't know if I I, I believe what you believe. I said, good. Good. She said, good. And I said, yeah. I said, don't believe what I believe. Believe the truth. What if there's something that I believe that's not right? Get into the Word and study it. Oh, okay. Well, what about these other religions over here that they teach this and they teach that? And then this guy over here, he says this and he says that. And I said, Well, study it. Examine it. Is it truth? Let me show you how I do it. Let me show you how I study. Let me take you through the Scriptures. When they see it, it means a whole lot more to them. Look at the next thing. How do we teach them God's will for us? You know, we must learn ourselves and then use illustrations and events in our own lives to explain, yes. But let's make this portion as simple as we can. You learn it to, how to teach them from uh, uh, the uh, that God's will for us is to show the praises of the Lord by simply showing the praises of the Lord. Uh, you look at um, you look at kids. I love watching kids. I love. I'm a people watcher. I enjoy watching people. I know I'm weird. I enjoy it. I like to watch kids especially. I like it when you're at a, you know you're sitting at a restaurant or something, you look over and there's this little four-year-old boy sitting across the table from his dad. And his dad's sitting there like this and the little boy's sitting there like this. And then the dad reaches down to take a drink and the little boy reaches down to take a drink. And then the dad he picks up a fry and he doesn't just put the fry into his mouth. He puts picks up the fry, folds it in half dips it in the ketchup, and then puts it in his mouth hole. And the little boy takes the fry, and of course he picks the biggest fry on the table, folds it in half, dips it in ketchup, and then shoves it in his face. I love watching that, right? They're doing what they see. Let's make this as simple as possible. Teach them how to show the praises of God by showing the praises of God. Understand you cannot give what you do not have. You can't. Make your life about showing the praises of God to others and chances are the generation to follow will do what? They'll follow. There's a lot found in that word follow. The generation that follows your generation is following your lead. Now, I understand that there are times where people are rebellious and stiff-necked. But it is our responsibility to do everything that we can, everything within our power to put in front of them as much as we possibly can in the hopes that their rebellion will be curbed. You know, we got to quit getting upset over the next generation when I am not living a life devoted to what is right. I can get frustrated, and I can get upset over, uh, over the uh, some young people and they, man, all they do is they want, they got their hand out. They want everything for free. They want free education, they want free this, they want free that. and they just got their hand out all the time. I can get upset over that but I seem to have my hand out all the time with God. God give me, God grant me, God make me, God help me, God do. Th- Am I willing to give to him? All oh, these young people don't know how to contribute to society. Oh, how much have I been contributing to Christianity? We can get upset about the others, but are we willing to live a life devoted to God's word ourselves? Listen. Out of 168 hours a week, the church gets maybe two with them. Maybe three. Who has them the other 168 hours? I I cannot bring my children to church one day a week, maybe two days a week, and expect them to grow up to be godly examples. It takes investing in them Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then guess what? The next week comes along, and you know what I'm doing again. I'm investing in them, and yes, it's tiring. Yes, it's difficult to spend time working and going into the into the job, and, and you you bust your tail all day long, and then you come home, you pull into that driveway, and I just can't wait to sit down in front of that television, and I want to see who won what game, and I want to watch the news, and I want to catch what's going on, on on TV and I want to see my favorite program and I sit there and I watch TV because oh poor me, I've had a hard day all day long and then my children go back to go on to bed and I've not spent any time with them all day long investing in their spiritual growth. I know it can be difficult. There's times that I'll be downstairs in my basement I'll be studying in my little Abby. I love my, I love my kids. My little Abby, she'll Come she doesn 't walk down the steps she down the steps i don 't know what you call that it 's not really a skip it's kind of bounding, I guess, and then she 'll get about four fifths of the way down, and then she 'll look i didn't mean to bother you, Dad, am I too loud? <laughs> You're too loud on the second floor, kid. <laughs> I heard you two stories ago. And then she comes down, what are you doing? I could do this easily. I'm studying, leave me alone. Or I can say, why don't you come over here and take a look and see what I'm doing. I don't want to bother you, Dad. Mom said not to bother you. Can I watch a movie over here? Can I play my game, Dad? Yeah, sure, you can go there and you can play your game. Just turn it down if you don't mind. Okay, I'll turn it down. Is this loud enough, Dad? That's, that's okay, honey. That's me. I sit there and I'm studying and she's watching Barbie. I don't care what happens with Barbie, but I'm ADD, okay? I'm, especially when she's playing the games, man. I, it's, it's, and she's, she's over there and she'll be playing. She's like, you need Daddy to help you for a second? We need to give. Not be so quick to push them off. Those kids need you. You've only got them for a little bit of time. For some of you, again, you don't have kids or your kids are grown. You think maybe you could work it into your schedule to go pick somebody else's up? And this mom is frazzled. And she's got these kids from sunup to sundown. Maybe I'll go pick them up. How do we teach a life of obedience and trust? When dad does not trust God or mom is unwilling to obey I don't think the kids are going to learn how to do it either. When kids see mom and dad go. Oh, man. You know, the Bible says that I shouldn't be doing this and I am. All right, I'm going to stop. You know what that speaks to kids? Kids. It speaks volumes about their parents' willingness to obey the word of the Lord. I am living in sin, and I'm going to forsake it. But when mom says, well, I'm just going to ignore that part, you got to understand that there's some extenuating circumstances in all of this. And God said that I'm not supposed to be doing this, but he didn't understand my situation today. He didn't, no, 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 no. We've got to teach our kids how to trust the Lord. Obedience may not always be easy, but you need to learn to be obedient even when it seems difficult, scary, or unpopular. Learn to be obedient. Let's look at one more thing here, and then we're going to start to close. How do we teach responsibility? By taking it. I teach responsibility by taking responsibility for me. You're responsible for you. I'm responsible for me. I've been able to get back into the uh, high school this year and I was working with the kids. I was teaching them a Uh, a lesson on taters, and uh, what kind of tater are you? Are you an imitator, commentator, meditator, spectator, irritator, agitator? Of course, they like that. You slowly become the tater man. But I put it on them, and I said, you know, you're not responsible for which tater your friends are. You're responsible for which one you are just like you're responsible for how you're going to respond to the Word of God, and your kids need to be held responsible for how they respond as well. Don't excuse little Johnny and little Josie. If they're wrong, call it out. Some of my dearest, dearest people in my life have looked me square in the eyes And called me out on things. Andy, you were wrong over here. But learn that the responsibility rests on your shoulders to educate those following you. Take it seriously. Here at Liberty, we've been working overtime to help you with this. But I want to see why we teach them, and then we're going to close. Look at verse 7 and 8. That they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments, and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and in whose spirit was not set steadfast with God. Can we get real for just a minute? Do you want the generation to come? and I mean the generation? Come Not just those in your household, but I think every parent in the world would say, yes, I want the children in my household. Do you want the generation to come? Do you want your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren to be able to be raised this way? Then let's get real for a minute. We need to stop complaining and start understanding that generation is watching me. those people are watching my life. Do I want them to know Christ? Then I need to take this seriously. Do I want them to learn how to trust Christ? Then I have to trust Christ. Do I want them to learn how to obey Christ? I need to understand the why we teach and take it seriously before I'll ever focus on how we teach. This rests squarely on your shoulders. I can't do it. The church can't do it for you, and I can remember time after time where parents would sit into the office of of our pastor, our youth pastor, My kid's gone astray. Why didn't you? Whoa. Mom, dad. Aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa. Why didn't you? The generation to come rests on us. And if we want that world out there to be changed for the cause of Christ, we need to do it right. Quit playing church and start getting right with the Lord. Rests on us.